1: Well, welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host. I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. We want to thank you guys for coming in here to uh, join us and start your morning off with us. Hopefully you've had a cup of coffee or two, but we thank you guys and uh, hopefully be able to make this next hour worth your while and tell you a little bit about uh, what we're going to do and, and, and it'll be something that you can take and maybe even share with friends and family. Um, because the topics that we talk about we feel that are so important that they're worthy of sharing um, out there on the world wide web if you will and uh, speaking of that let me tell you guys before we get started how you can plug in with us and that is uh, going to our uh, first of all our website it's kind of the mothership if you will of the information Um, and that is thehousinghour.com if you go there you can then find all of the different arms of information that we have, our different series that we've completed. You can talk, see about our current guest that we have here today with us. You can learn about him and where you can find more information about him. His name is John Springer, by the way. He's with Transamerica Financial Advisors, and he'll be talking with us here in just a moment. But you can find more about him, find his website, and so forth. Um, we also are on Facebook, certainly, facebook.com slash Hour. Our Twitter is at The Housing Hour, and you can find us on Pinterest and LinkedIn and all of the different social media sites as well. So we are kind of dipping back into um, our series that we have. Mark, um, you know, one of the things I love about what we've done is that each week, you, some of the different things we speak about can go in a couple of different series, but this one, being that it's financial I mean, this is a vitally important topic, is it not?
2: And it's timely because at the beginning of the year, I mean, and toward the end of last year, I'm always thinking about my portfolios, what i got investing, what it looks like, what should I do differently next year, what's the environment coming up, should I rebalance it, should I not rebalance it. Right. And it doesn't matter how large it is or small it is in my case. Um, you still have to think of the same ideas and, and try to project uh, what it's what's going to happen, what it looked like, and have some goals. So yes. that's important today because a part of a home ownership, you've got to have a plan in place in order to get your home. And so uh, it's very important. And we got an expert right here, and he's got a radio voice, and this guy's got radio yeah, experience. That's <laughs> right. And,
1: you know, John is an investment advisor representative with the Securities and Investment Advisory. And uh, he offered through Transamerica Financial Advisors, member of Five. Do I got to read all this? Finra, uh, this... <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: the alphabet soup of financial services. Yeah. Why well, don't you go there ahead are a lot and of legal... introduce yourself?
3: There are a lot of legal entities and and. Uh... You would you would kind of say that FINRA is like an oversight board. They're the ones that send you to jail if you're Bernie Madoff. Oh. And then there's the SEC everybody knows about. And the SIPC is the one that guarantees your accounts for up to $500,000. Okay. Not against loss, but against
1: fraud. And SEC is the strongest car or, or things
3: like that, yeah. Of course, when Bernie Madoff happened, they kind of waived all the SIPC stuff and said, well, wait a minute. I know we promised you you couldn't lose more than a half million, but we don't have enough to pay you all of it. So they had to kind of change the rules, but... At any rate, all those disclosures are required. I
1: can tell that this is going to be a two-part show. No. Um, No. This is good. No. But you're absolutely right. It's so timely. January, you know, you have a lot of people that they have so many different New Year's resolutions, whether it be for your health, and that's physical health, but also financial health. Mm -hmm. and it is a good time to kind of reset what you've been doing, you know, and I always say, you know, it may be a situation where you need, um, if you need something like a a mortgage, you're not going to go to your, you know, hairstylist to learn about what it is that you need to do for your mortgage. You know, you're not going to go to the pizza delivery guy to learn about, you know, your real estate needs, although they may have been a realtor in previous life, but you're going to go, to a financial planner, if you need to know about your financial situation or somebody in that role, and and I know that you're not a financial planner per se, right? Or what? I,
3: I can be. Okay. I just I just you get sixty pages and you hand somebody and say, hey, here's all these scenarios and there's right. fourteen thousand examples and uh, two thousand of them you're successful and some right. you're not. And after a while, it gets a little overwhelming. Yeah. Hey, can I learn from you guys, too, while we're here today? Well, sure. Can Hold on. Me little, turn, let me turn let the microphone you, around. Let <laughs> no, me give you a little background, okay? Yeah, please. So you have to, to give me advice, you have to know where I'm coming from, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm a farm boy from West Tennessee, about 45 miles east of Memphis. Mm-hmm. We used to go to Memphis. Is that in Dyersburg? To the, <laughs> no, Grand Junction, Tennessee. Grand Junction. And that's the home of the Ames Plantation, UT's largest experiment station, where they They don't hunt quail. They follow quail. And if you hunt them and shoot them, you go to jail. Oh, wow. Really? It is is protected. They are allowed to set up the the food for the quail, which is against the law in a lot of places. You can't lure them in and then shoot them, right? Mm. Well, there you can lure them in. I drove a tractor on the Ames Plantation one summer hauling hay and silage and things like that. And the tractor could go 30 miles an hour. I mean, I loved it. These big, giant, expensive John Deere tractors. And I had a little old, old used one back on our farm. And um, if a quail covey was about to cross the road, you put that sucker in lockdown. You mm-hmm. you put on the brakes. Anywhere else in the state of Tennessee, I'm pretty sure you don't slow down hardly at all. You might <laughs> swerve a bit, right? Right. You do not hit a quail on the Ames Plantation. Oh, man. Okay, so that's Grand Junction. So I go to school. Oh, by the way, we would go to Memphis for fun, and there was one Shoney's. Out on Poplar Avenue, and there was a McDonald's on summer where hamburgers were $0.10. Cents. So that might tell you a little bit wow. of how... We I have um, a mortgage so
1: investors <laughs> group on Poplar Avenue, actually. There you go. We do.
3: So. And my grandmother had a house down there off Poplar about a block off, mm. a rental house that she used. That's that they had great. bought, and back when her, her husband was alive. He died the year before I was born. So then you I have to,
1: Tennessee roots. I do,
3: and I went to UT Martin. Mm-hmm. I was in ROTC, and back then you either... Uh, you either went to college and then went in the army as a private because you're going to be drafted. You were going to be drafted, right? And or you could get fifty dollars a month starting your junior and senior year, which I needed, and I was milking cows on the farm about two o'clock in the morning Saturday and Sunday, and that also helped to get me through. Mm-hmm. So that tells you I have a frugal mindset, and if you're spending your own money, you spend it pretty carefully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it cost me twelve hundred the first year, and it cost my friends two thousand dollars the first year to oh, go my. to college. That's that's a
1: big difference That's quite compared a difference. to what it is today. Today <laughs> you, know, you can't
3: even add two zeros to that hardly, right?
1: <laughs> you know, and, and you think about inflation and you know, deflation maybe, but you think about where we are in our world and where things lie as far as what things are worth. And you know, you just wonder sometimes, is is the amount that we're spending today for the things that we're purchasing today the equivalent when you factor in increase in, in, in salary? Is it the equivalent as it was in the nineteen seventies or even eighties? I don't know the answer to that. What Be- does
3: a new Mustang cost now?
1: A new Mustang with leather interior is forty one thousand MSRP. I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I'm just guessing. Probably around there. Uh, you're you're, right? you're twenty
3: five to forty, depending on what you get on it and how souped up it is. Right. When I finished high school in nineteen sixty five, our coach, basketball coach, bought his daughter a brand new Mustang for three thousand dollars.
2: Mm. So is that But I mean, but the average work Force was making 125 dollars a week
3: yeah i was I mean, getting a dollar a quarter an hour mm-hmm. on the student work study so i program. guess so that up. was a controlled minimum wage so but
1: if, if if incomes have went up what probably i mean i don't know you yeah. may know but 400 percent. i don't know what they have i just always think about that because when you're when you're looking and we'll talk a little bit more about how we steward our money how it is that we <laughs> take what we have and um we do the best we can with it and not just dig a hole and put it in. And you spoke about the parable in the Bible that you use sometimes to help your clients understand what it is they need to do with their investments. Speak to what I guess really it is that you feel you do, because I think that's important. Some people, you know, some people say, well, here's what I do, you know, and then it's, it's their job description. But, but I want to know, what do you do? Do You know what I mean? I, I was in a, I was
3: in a small group uh, meeting one night or th- with some friends, you know, been there 10, 15, 20 years in some of the cases where you have a Bible study or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, once a week, once a month, whatever it might be. And somebody said, John, you're, you're a numbers guy. And I thought, gosh, what a misperception. Mm. I'm a people guy, mm. and if I don't understand how you think, Mark's a client of mine. He may have mentioned that to you. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, he's passed on some great advice. <laughs>
3: okay, so if, if Mark comes to me and says, I want to do this or this, and I realize that it's really not a good idea, then I've got to know him enough to be able to sway him a little differently. Mm-hmm. Now, I might not be right. He might be right, mm-hmm. and the timing might be such that we're both right or wrong, just depending on when you do it, right? Mm-hmm. So if a client comes into me and they say, well, I don't want to lose any money, who, who doesn't agree with that? Mm-hmm. Do you all agree with that? <laughs> yeah. I, don't, especially I, don't, after, I don't like to. Especially uh, after yeah. 2008 or sometime like that. Mm-hmm. Then in the next breath, I'll say, well, what would you expect in a good year if the Dow makes 26%? Mm-hmm. 2003, it did that. It did that this past year a little
1: bit better. I don't want to know that. Because so I the did client not would have say, "Money invested very well."
3: The so. client would say, "Well, I want to make twenty six percent. If they, right. if the market made twenty six, I want to make twenty six, but I don't want to lose any money." Mm-hmm. Well, wait a minute! In two thousand eight, ending in March of oh nine, the S and P lost fifty four percent in fifteen months.
1: Right, fifty four percent. So your 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 job is to understand and get to know the goals and also the the dreams, if you will of your individual client. And and that might be when they were, when they were wanting to retire, what their lifestyle needs to be, what their, what their appetite for, um, what their appetite for different losses could be.
3: Yeah. uh, We ask questions. What's the risk level risk Mm -hmm. reward. So if a person's going to say, well, you know, I want a moderate risk. Well, that's, that indicates about 60 to 70% stocks and the rest bonds. Mm -hmm. Well, if interest rates are going up, bonds lose money. Mm. The 10-year Treasury was 1.4 mm-hmm. in July of 2012. It's now 29 to 3%. Mm. Well, the Fed didn't raise rates. The prime is still at three and a quarter. The mm. Fed fund rate is still a quarter point, but interest rates went up, didn't they?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: It's like saying, would you invest your money at $100,000 for 10 years and get 1.5% for it? And people finally said, well, no. Right.
4: I'll,
3: I'll take 2, 25 now 3. And what will, what's that going to be in four or five or six years? Mm-hmm. Most people seem to think it'll be higher if that happens. Bond might, bonds might lose money. What happens in the next three months? Who knows? Now I've got to motivate you. I've got to help you understand. You can't make a decision when fear is all around you. Newspapers sell fear. That it just sells. That's what we're interested in. Mm-hmm. If I have to somehow show you that had you invested a year ago, you should have expected eight to ten percent return, and now you're up twenty five or thirty, perhaps. But. I have a lot of a lot of friends that didn't invest anything,
2: but but that's just the point because there's so many people that haven't invested anything because of the the fluctuations that you're talking about. You have bonds going on one direction, you have the equity markets going in one, gold going up, this going down. I mean, good grief, we don't know where to go, how to do it. Uh, it's Maybe we should dig a hole and put it in the ground.
3: Well, it's so many products, you know. Okay, so the parable of the talents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is in two different, ch- chat, two different books of the Bible. And mm-hmm. so t- to give you a paraphrase, everybody knows this. Um, the master, I'm guessing the master was a, a traveling salesman. Okay. okay, so the master says, I'm leaving for a while, guys. And while I'm gone, I'm going to give the three of you $100,000 each. You can't relate to drachmas and all these things, okay? So mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm going to give you each a hundred thousand dollars, and I'll be gone. When are you coming back? Well, I'm not sure. Six months, year, year and a half, two years. It doesn't say how long he was gone. But gosh, if you're gonna if you're gonna travel into another country by camel, I'm thinking you're going to stay a while. <laughs> You know, George Washington and Thomas Jefferson used to have guests, and they came and stayed two or three months. Oh,
2: yeah, that was typical. Because
3: they had to come by horse and carriage, right? Mm-hmm. So now the master comes back after this undesignated period of time, and one guy's doubled his money. What, did they, what does the master say about him?
2: Good and faithful.
3: Good and faithful. And how does he reward him?
2: Right giving the other guys money Don't
3: <laughs> well in one case he said i'm gonna make you ruler over 10 cities another time there's a financial reward okay mm-hmm. the second guy is kind of mediocre but let's get to the bottom line the the last guy says well i put it in the ground because mm-hmm. i know you're a harsh and fearful sure. master yeah. right and the and what did the master say to him in in two different references in one he said uh, you should have at least put it with the money changers. Now, money changers are currency changers, and they could make ten percent. Mm-hmm. They could make ten percent in one transaction. You know, <laughs> the usury rate was about one percent back then in a year, and that's why Christ got upset with them in the temple. They were doing all this trading and currencies and selling doves and all this stuff they were making a killing off of these
1: not to turn your tables over or anything but we got a break coming up i think this is awesome because i want to continue about the parable when we get back because you know what it's amazing to me some of the things that you can learn that can really be applied to current day's time that came straight from the bible And, and you know it's this is the bible belt certainly but you want to try to understand what it is that our leaders are teaching and that's one of the most important parables when it comes to financial services and for anything for that matter but we are going to continue this conversation we are beginning with john springer um do i have to say all that after i say your name not not anymore just one time just say the great yeah well we're here on the housing hour and we'll be right back after these messages
0: The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Look in my eyes. What do
1: you see? Welcome back to the Housing Hour. It's Kevin Ray here with Mark Griffith, our co-host and executive producer. Thank you guys for coming back in with us. Um, before we move on, I do want to tell you guys about a company that we believe so very strongly in, and that is Admiral Tidal. Admiral Title, as you all know, is a title company here in Knoxville. Been around for eight plus years, and Phyllis Burnett and Terry Adams started that company, and they did it with one thing in mind: they wanted to go to any length to make their clients happy. And their clients are the consumer at large, and also our clients, uh, their clients are lenders and realtors alike. Um, they're helping to service your transaction. If you're a lender or you're a realtor, they want to make sure that everything goes smoothly, that you get to that closing table and all of the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. And if one needs to be explained, they'll explain it because that's what they do. They have that. That is their talent, if you will. So, Give them an opportunity to kind of come alongside of you. If you want to build a network, if you want to maybe build a trusted uh, person in that um, field, uh, they are the ones who I would recommend. We both believe very strongly in them, and they do a fantastic job. You can call them at 865-531-6060. Ask for Phyllis. It's Admiral Title. So we're back in here, and I didn't mean to cut you off there, but um, you were talking about the parable, and you were mentioning some things that are very important because everybody everybody wants to know how to handle their, their lives when it comes to finances. And, you know, I tell you, Dave Ramsey's done a good job with it. There's been other people out there that have done good jobs with explaining it and building, you know, their business revolving around trust and um, <clears throat> continue what you were talking about. The, the one thing that I think people want to be cautious of and if they knew this, then maybe they would make different decisions, but they don't want to make the wrong choice. You know, everybody, everybody thinks, okay, well then the right choice is to put my money over here where it's not going to make any money. And it's just sitting there kind of collecting dust. And if dust goes up in value, buddy, they've got something over there, I but it's you. not going to. So they want to make the right choice and the right choice. I'm not saying that the right choice is to go invest all of your money in Apple either. You know, the, the, th- Speak to, continue what you were
3: saying. Let's talk about the parable. And what I'm talking about, what I'm leading up to is perspective. Mm-hmm. Where, you're, where you're coming from mentally, what do you think about and so forth. I have to interject, I listened to your ad there, Phyllis mm-hmm. Burnett, mm-hmm. her mother is a client of mine. No kidding. <laughs> really? I've known her mom and dad for 40-something years. Wow. We used to go to church together. That's awesome. And now we're all different places. But uh, her brother, Joel, I mean, yeah. it is such a small world. Really. It really is. Her kids went to school where mine, mine did, her no son kidding. did. It's and a so small th-
1: world after all. It really
3: is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> okay, so there's a couple of perspective things. Life changes. There was a time where you could you could go to a a seminar and hear about successful people and leave the seminar thinking, "What wonderful! How how great is that? These people overcame the odds and they succeeded." So that that master that left town and went off to another country probably bought some goods and brought them back and traded and so forth. What did people think about rich people back then, like him? Was yeah. he, and, and what did they think of that rich person now versus 10 years ago?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: It's changing, isn't right. it?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: It used to be, okay, so there's a lesson in small-town America. In small-town America, the richest guy in town, in my hometown of Grand Junction, drove a Buick, not a Cadillac. Mm. Why? If you drive a Cadillac, you're better than the rest of us. If you drive a Buick, we've all got one too. Mm. Have y'all noticed that? And now, now it's well, Lexus an and a Mercedes. It's all gone up. Now it's yeah. a whole nother scale, right? But in a big town, you don't notice that as much because a lot of people have them, and it's just different things. Mm-hmm. So in our world today, it's just so different now. At any rate, it says in the in the parables that these these first two went to work, and they earned fairly high returns. What was the least that the lazy man should have done? It said that he should have at least put it in the with the money changers or whatever, Uh who are people nowadays you would call that, I guess you'd say, put it in a savings account or something. But mm-hmm. that would have been a few years ago when a savings account paid something. Right <laughs> <laughs> and Now it doesn't quite. <laughs> so I was talking to this uh, friend of mine who's like 80 and I just love him. He's so wise. And I said, you know. People put money in the bank, in a money market, and they make nothing. I mean, literally, you make nothing in a money market. In 1981, you're making 15% on that. Right. Mm-hmm. He said, well, you know, you, you could put it in your mattress, but then, then you're subject to theft and fire. Right. But it would earn the same return, wouldn't it? <laughs> mm. So the guy put his money in the ground. What would that be equivalent to today? He made nothing, but his money was safe. Well, that... Sounds like
2: CDs. I mean, basically, they're paying nothing.
3: Quarter point for one year. Money market zero.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, then there'll it, it, be money market.
3: He put yeah. it in the ground. It's not subject to fire in the ground. It mm-hmm. is subject to accidental finding, right? And, and rot. <laughs> yeah, rot. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure you put it in a container where that wouldn't happen. Right. My point is, is that somehow we've got this notion, especially biblically, Christians have a perspective of I'm not a good steward if I don't keep my money safe. I can't lose it. Well, that guy that made 100% return on his money, if that was six months or a year or three years, do you realize how, what an incredibly high risk that must be mm-hmm. for him to have made that much money, and yet he was blessed for it, for taking all that risk, and it was somebody else's money? Mm. That's even worse. Right. If I risk my own money and lose it, big deal. The perspectives have just changed so much, and our attitudes have changed, and now we think to be a good steward, we have to make nothing.
1: So God rewards the risk takers and the go getters, but doing it honestly, right? There's a balance there somewhere, isn't there? right? But but you're but that's where I think that people may I don't not disagree, but need a little bit more enlightening because, you know, some people get the notion that investing in risky assets or risky whatever. Is, and what's risky right well that's i think the what's. is pilot all risky
3: to. if it were a public company is pilot all risky
1: right well they're not a public companies. So. no but if they
3: were they wouldn't be risky well, it You'd depends say, well they're on, making money it right? depends
1: on how many more people they take that money from yeah. <laughs> i'm just kidding no i'm kidding i'm joking i love pilot <laughs> but if you think about it though if you think about how people talk about perspective i think it's all about perspective and people look at investing some people do as as gambling and yeah. I think that that is, you know, of course, gambling is, is shunned other than the lottery that we do here. I mean, that's OK, because that goes towards education. But
3: people... By the way, the payout is lower than it was for uh, Al Capone. Really? Al Capone paid out more than our lottery does.
1: No kidding. Yeah, well, Where he do we took, buy those? He took like 20
3: digits. cents in the dollar. And I think I read they keep 50 cents. I don't know. But it's for education, see, so nobody cares. Right. So
1: my my thought about it is because people want to make right choices. I like, go back to that. They want to make right choices. So um, it's hard for, for people to say, okay, I'm going to get an E-Trade account not that I know anybody that's ever done this <laughs> and get an E-Trade account and say, well, I have a friend that's suggesting this Japanese uh, real estate company. Oh, wow.
3: I can't tell you how often I hear that.
1: <laughs> and this Japanese real estate company is going to be hot, Kevin, or, yeah. no, person <laughs> and, and they invest in it. So is that a gamble? Um, or is that, is that something? cause it, no homework was done on it. So it was not, it was done out of, out of just really lust for something better. You know, so where do you fall on, you know, how should they invest? How should they take what God has blessed them with, which is a job, that's a blessing, and you have income from that job, and you then pay whatever you need to pay. But what's, what is left over? You know, where do you go for Two, two perspectives. Yeah. Two perspectives.
3: People say you can't invest first, mm-hmm. that you have to put aside an emergency fund. Mm-hmm. So if I made 200000 a year— and somebody, I think the general rule—I think you'll all agree—everything you read says you have to keep half of that, half of one year's income for an emergency fund. Mm-hmm. Maybe we ought to ask another question. Now, If I made thirty thousand a year, half might be a reasonable amount. A hundred thousand a year as an emergency fund—wouldn't you think that's a little excessive? Well, well I've would always said somebody be who makes two hundred who probably has a lot of assets, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of other questions you have to ask. So I guess I would ask y'all, if you did have to put aside a lot of money in an emergency fund when money markets are paying zero mm-hmm. and one-year CDs are paying a quarter point and 10-year treasuries are paying 2.9 to 3 each year for 10 years and then you get your money back, where would y'all put money in an emergency fund?
1: Well, I've always heard it's it has six to be months, safe. Can't six, lose any money. six months of living expenses. That's that's right, what right. I've already. went Isn't that
3: over. six months of most people's income? Well, I mean, seriously, right? That's true. We most most all of us spend it all. Okay,
1: right? that's true. But um, the the where do I put it? But that two hundred thousand
3: guy, you're right. He probably doesn't have that much of living
1: expenses. Right. But then then that does ask the question because that's a good point. Um, you know, we've got this money. Everybody has something, and and those who don't that live paycheck to paycheck, then you know, if you look at the entire world, if you look at the the amount of money that the United States possesses, you know, if you make forty five thousand dollars, then you're considered in the world's eyes as being rich. You know, and and, and obviously, people don't feel that way. Poor because, people
3: here are rich in the rest of the world. It, it, that the poor right, person exactly. has air conditioning, cell phone exactly color television prepaid card you know
1: they're rich in any other country so they so let's say they have this money you know and and they do they do have this money would it be advisable for them to then come to somebody like yourself i'm not talking about everybody maybe it's not for everybody i don't know i mean that's why i'm here asking you um they come to you and then what can you help them with can you help them invest that money can you help them and guide them and where to put that money and after you've learned about what their needs are Let's get the
3: perspective then Mm -hmm. and and what my job is. I was talking to an engineer at a a Christmas party, and he says, you know, people don't really need your service. And I thought, you're right. You don't. Analytical engineers don't need me. And that's great. Mm -hmm. There's 20 or 30 percent of people that don't need me. There's people that sell their own houses, I understand. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily get the best price or whatever, and they certainly don't get much marketing, but they can sell it for whatever they thought it was worth, maybe someday. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if a person says to me you know what what can i do with this money or whatever i need to get him excited and i need him to have fun if i say let's do something boring like put away 50 dollars a month in this xyz or whatever it might be uh, like your 401k at work it's just boring you don't ever even look at it you don't get excited you do it cuz everybody else does it and the employer's matching a certain amount now you get past that you're Putting $50 a month in an emergency fund, and you're putting $50 a month in something else, and one day you wake up and you got $10,000. Mm-hmm. Peter Lynch was the most famous manager going until Warren Buffett kind of proved it a little bit longer term. For 10 years, from 1980 to 1990, he averaged 33% a year. Mm-hmm. Now, part of that's because it was the timing, but his message was go to the mall and find the stores with the products that you're familiar with that have the longest line. Now, I will give you two times at Christmas and right after a new product comes out, where would the longest lines be at the mall all the way over to Sears? Apple? Apple. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't say. I'm not recommending it stop now, but I'm just saying, yeah. as far as getting familiar with a company, you mm. get familiar. Now, if you'd invested in Apple last September, it was at 704 and it dropped down to 393. That would have been a wrong investment. Not really, it was just the wrong time. Hmm. If you'd have bought it at three ninety three now you'd be looking at five forty Mark so, right? was trying to get me to buy it at a hundred
2: yeah <laughs> yeah, that would have been a good move <laughs> that would
3: have been The point is there's great companies you're familiar with, so I can't talk about companies in specific you know funds and so are like you that, saying
2: that the best thing that you could do is is if you are interested in a particular company or items or that type, so you invest with a uh, product knowledge and your passion and likes? And the things you're familiar with. And, and, and what okay, you're familiar so now
3: with. you come, you come into me, and you say, "I want to buy X, Y, Z company," and I'm going to say, "Really? Tell me what you know about them. Well, my brother-in-law told me about it. Mm-hmm. What does he tell you? Did you go online and look it up? Do you know what their earnings are? All those kind of things, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe we maybe we don't want that company, but but let's get you excited. Can we throw out several companies, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about them and see what you think? That could be something else other than a company. But if you invest in a company, did you know you can go online and find everything? But Their but debt, their cash, their earnings, their growth, everything. But
2: if I don't want to do that, I mean, certainly. You've got to have I, more
3: I, money to do it, too. Yeah,
2: yeah. And I don't want to invest into individual stocks. But you're right. I, okay, you, you've sold me. I want to get into the stock market. But then there's mutual funds, and then there's other type of vehicles that I can get into that kind of dis- diversify my risk within the equity market, it, would that be a fair statement?
3: It would, and keep in mind, I can't talk about specific right, right, fu- right. funds and things like that. But and the reason, folks, is because we have to, That that sounds like I'm offering something for sale, and we would have to have a prospectus for everybody who's listening, and so forth. So that's those are reasonable guidelines. But we can talk about concepts and the markets and indexes mm-hmm. and so on all day long. The bottom line is, when you do something like that, that index or what are you talking about, you can put in fifty bucks a month, right, and buy something like that, and then someday accumulate five or ten thousand dollars. And then you might find a company you like. You can go to, right now, you can go to Sevierville, Oak Ridge, Halls, Jefferson City, Lenore City, and find the same company. Right. In different locations.
1: Well, this has been some good info, and we're going to continue in a moment after we get back from the break. And we're going to we're going to dive in a little bit. Also, you you have a question, a mortgage question, that we want to tackle as well. And I want to give some more information about how people can get involved with you if they feel they want to. So let's talk about that after these messages. We'll be right back.
0: The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray.
1: Welcome back into the housing hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host. I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. I'm here also with John Springer. Uh, we want to tell you guys how to connect with John. You can dial him up, uh, six, nine, four, oh, seven, one, one. That's an eight, six, five area code. Um, and also, uh, you can mail him. No, I'm kidding. You wouldn't mail him, <laughs> um, but you can email him. Uh, do you have an email address that you prefer?
3: Jay Springer at tfa.mail.com. That's Tom Frank Alpha Mail. That stands for Transamerica Financial Advisors.
1: Okay, so it's tfa.mail.com. Right, and he is no relation to Jerry or. No, but you got to admit, I look a lot like him. You do look a lot like him.
3: And when my hair's a little longer, I tell people that I'm a little younger, a little taller. I used to be a little thinner, and I can dance. Oh,
1: wow. That is awesome. Can we see a little right now? No. No, I'm just kidding.
3: And and I'm very different morally,
1: I think, as well. Actually, he was
2: in a dancing uh, commercial with Peyton Manning. Yeah, for St. Mary's.
3: And I'm the Knoxville Twist champion. The Turtles, I think it was, were here one time on Gay Street. Oh, my. And I was judged the number one Twist champion. What year was that, John? Uh, the was just eight or nine years ago. Oh, really? Yeah, it wasn't
1: long ago. That's incredible. Is that we amazing? You learn new things. Okay, every I love the dance. Day. So That's when we awesome. go
2: out on music, uh, pull up some twist music. He's <laughs> yeah. going to go down right here. Actually, go. I'm on
1: YouTube.
3: It's, it's under <laughs> funky oh, twist. I'll, okay, we'll, we'll have, have to there. That, I'll go there. Twist
1: that. We're going to have to put that on our on our Facebook page. <laughs> That'll be fantastic. Okay, and also don't forget about our Facebook page. You can go like our page. It's Facebook.com/slash/thehousinghour. Now. Um let's why don't we do this? I want to first hear this story about the couple that you've been working with that you worked with that he's now 81 years old I believe you said. Tell okay. me a little bit about that incredible story. This couple
3: there's a saying they they attribute it to Ben Franklin it says money makes money and the money that money makes makes more money. And you can't make the money that your money can make for you.
1: Mm, wow. I need to make a rap
3: song. So now let's say a guy makes thirty dollars or $40,000 most of his life. And 40, 45 years ago, he starts investing $150 a month. And back then, he did it on a contract basis. He had to do it for 10 years mm. or he would lose stuff. He did it. And later on, he increased the amount he put in. And then he did it with another uh, investment. And he kept putting in every month. And today, at age 81, he's a millionaire.
1: Yeah. yeah, remarkable.
3: It's phenomenal. I'm so there's when they weren't ends, my clients all that time. You right. know, I've been helping them lately because I converted it to income. But see,
2: every right. every time when I got in as a young man at 20 years old, my father just said, "Put in a hundred hundred bucks a month into you keep know a, doing a, a mutual fund or something, and just keep doing it. Keep doing it. Don't think about it. Don't look at it. Just keep on doing it."
1: I'm sure in 2008
2: you were thrilled about that advice. Well, then you know, well, it but was, it was before thing. 2008 and, and the uh, bubble, the doc the dot bomb bust back in uh, 2000. 2000.
1: Well, let me ask you this because people were burned in 2008. People were burned. And and literally I'm talking third degree burns. It wasn't just little thing on your finger. Um, and people are skeptical. I tell you, John, I hear it every day. They're skeptical about Mm -hmm. getting back into the market. They're fearful. They're scared. And it's this we deal with the same thing about buying a home. You that's know, that's why well, but doing it monthly it makes a lot of sense. Well tell me what well monthly okay, but tell me how we can because um, I can tell you about the fear for buying a home, but tell me how you overcome that obstacle with your clients because it's it's an invalid fear. I
3: don't know that I always overcome it, but here's some perspective again. I'm a golfer. I used to be a softball and baseball player, basketball player. Uh, we didn't we weren't Dancer. bigger. We weren't big enough for football. Okay, mm-hmm. so if I were a golfer and I made a bad shot, should I quit? Um, I do all the time.
1: <laughs> just <kidding. laughs> But you don't quit after no. that shot. No.
3: At some point, you make a good shot en- enough that, that makes you come back. For right. Every year. Okay, so if you had a goal of shooting ninety and you didn't, should you quit then? No. Let's take it to a basketball game. Um, Jerome, Jerome Mayman missed two free throws that could have won the game. Should oh. he just quit? no nobody expects him to quit right. now have he have he if he had invested in the stock market and made a huge loss is what that was was it not yeah
1: 54 percent for some
3: people would quit mm-hmm. I, I i invested and i lost money well i'm never doing it again two clients came into my office within a week about 15 years ago and they said the no, no one client same one They had invested one on a monthly basis for X number of years, and then on another one, they put in a lump sum in the same exact same investment. And they said, John, I don't know, but this one here is really good, and that one's not worth the flip. Well, the one he put in the lump sum on was right before the market went down a bunch. The other Hmm. one, he was buying every month when the market kept going down. He got more shares. He woke up one day, and he's up, and he's upset. That he shouldn't have bought one, but I said, it's the same thing. But,
2: but, and that's called dollar cost averaging,
1: yeah. right? Yeah. Just keep on buying. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Dollar cost averaging. (laughs) Let's see. Dollar cost averaging is a long-term strategy which does not assure a profit nor protect against a loss (laughs) in a declining market. Investors should carefully consider their ability to continue regular purchases throughout periods of low price levels. Kevin carries these flip cards with him, just in case. So you know. But no, I mean it makes sense. I mean, but think think about about that couple
3: now. They they now have a million dollars. If they took Mm -hmm. five percent income, that's fifty thousand dollars. Money makes money, money that, and money that money makes makes more money. They did that, mm-hmm. and you can't make the money that your money can make for you. Now, if they took 5%, that's $50,000 a year without... Assuming you make at least that much mm-hmm. without touching the million dollars. Mm-hmm. Now, what if the million grows to a million two, a million four, a million five? Which it might in a few years.
1: You're going to buy a house at Telco and golf mm-hmm. all day. That's what you're going to do. <laughs> but
3: the money is making more money than you can make. Sure.
1: And your Absolutely. money's making but, money on the money. But again,
3: it took time and
1: discipline. Now, okay. And so, I respect so, that couple so much. That, I think that's an incredible story. That's a true American success story that you were a part of, and that really is an amazing testimony to what. The ability that you have—I mean, it's an—but attri- it, man, attri-
3: which, in all honesty, on this couple just a few years ago, I started working with
2: okay, them.
1: Okay, so you didn't yeah. really do anything. <laughs> just kidding.
3: I'm no, just but kidding. now they have an income because let me so because, because
2: it. we keep on bringing up yeah. 2008, the massive hit to the market hasn't the equity markets roared back. March 9th of
3: huh. 2002. Yeah,
1: okay. the market bottom. They've roared bottomed. back. They've roared back. But, I'm sorry. The I'm
3: sorry. 2009, March 9th of 2009. On on that one, the 2008 okay. one. Now, in 2000, 2001, and two, mm. around October ninth, it bottomed after mm-hmm. two and a half years. After that, I lost a lot of clients. Mm-hmm. Everybody did in our business. I remember that people lost their business,
1: and it was I lost a lot of competitors back then. It was just a symptom, really.
3: Well, it's just the way the, the way right. things worked and so forth. But the people that kept on putting money in their four hundred and one k at work and the employer was matching it they made a killing during that time because they were buying lower and lower and lower and they got more and more shares and then one day the shares all came back yeah. it took a long time but they did it
2: but well, now isn't it back from 2008 yeah.
3: i the mean the s&p
1: so way back last 54% year 54% is what you said so it was. so the s&p year.
3: lost 54%
1: no, 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 in no, no, I'm sorry. 15 months How much in is it 2008 increased? to 9 how much will we increased in 2013? Was it 26%? Around that, 26 yeah, to 30, yeah. depending on which index you're looking right. at. Right. And, and for those people who have chosen to stay on the sidelines, don't worry too much. Don't beat yourself up. It's right. still
3: okay. Look, if you do have some money and you're on the sidelines, you're in the money market or you got fearful, you put it in the stable value fund in your 401k. Mm-hmm. Why 20, are you looking at me? Put 20% <laughs> of it back. <laughs> I just met Kevin today, y'all. I do know Mark. <laughs> okay, but I like Kevin. Okay, so if you if you put about 20 percent of it back in several funds, now wait two or three months, put another twenty percent in, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Now I wanted to ask y'all, I wanted to ask y'all a question. Okay, okay, real quick
1: before you do that, all right. I forgot what it was. You, you, you go ahead. <laughs> okay. Yours is good. Ask us a question. I
3: bought my first house in nineteen eighty on the GI, on the Veterans Administration, eight mm-hmm. percent assumable loan. We paid twenty eight thousand dollars. About four and a half years later. We sold it for forty-eight thousand. I think it was.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. We they assumed
3: my loan at eight percent. Now, if you remember, this was eighty-one. Now, when I when I'm buying the second house, okay. When I'm buying the second house, the going mortgage rate was sixteen percent. I had a relationship with an insurance company that decided they could loan money with its agents at twelve percent, and that's a thirty-year bond for them and a pretty safe one because they they give me my paycheck. Right. I'm independent, but they were still paying me regularly. So I felt lucky at that 12%. Then we sold that house and bought another one. We we had a mortgage of 12% on the Mm -hmm. second one, 8% on the first one. We stayed in the next house to about four and a half years and increased that money considerably and did it a third time out in Lake Ridge and stayed there 15 years and were making more than the value of the house. We were living way below our means, in other words, at that point. And we sold that house and also made a good bit of money. Right. So then I adopted this perspective of, hey, your home can be an investment. Forget Absolutely. rental property. But then again, I bought it in 2000, and in 2006, it peeped out. When I bought it, I thought, I'm going upscale now.
2: That's the beginning of the
3: bubble. We don't have to wait till retirement to, to live in a resort. We'll live in the resort now, and I won't buy a second and third home and all this kind of right. stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll invest in that in 2000, and then we'll live there. And it'll appreciate, I'm thinking. Well, And we'll, about five years from now, we'll sell it and pay cash for our last house. Right. At least a good portion of cash, right? A right. large down payment. Well, 2006, that was true. We refinanced it at one point there when rates were down. And yeah. we had a tremendous appraisal. And I didn't sell it because I didn't need to. And I love the house. And obviously, that house has gone down. And you guys know this. Right. They say the mortgage market, the, the real estate market is recovering. The home prices are going up. Isn't it true for houses above 450,000 that they're really difficult to sell at any kind of decent price? It's coming
2: back, um, but uh, you're right.
3: Even in it, that price range. Yes, though. in
2: that price range. But we're seeing a lot more activity in that 400,000, 500,000 price range than we have since since uh, 2007, 2008. So it is coming back fairly strongly.
1: Yeah, Good. and let me tell you something. Um, your question. I know your question, and it's t- tell me what your question is. My the,
3: my yeah. youngest daughter doesn't have a home yet. Mm-hmm. They've got one child. They're going to have a second. They're going to need a home in the next mm-hmm. year or two. The perception is, even even in my industry, the perception is you have to have twenty percent down payment to buy a home right. for these first time home buyers. That's amazing. Now, they live in Atlanta now. They had lived in D.C. Had they mm-hmm. bought a house in D.C., they could have sold it, and, you know, bought twice as much right. house in D.C. Mm-hmm. In, in in Atlanta, just like here. But but. How much do they need in down payments? If you've got well, good credit, you have a good earnings And they're first-time homebuyers?
1: Yeah. Well, the potential is that if they qualified for the first-time homebuyer program, which is Tennessee's THDA program, then potentially— um, they could actually get in with no money down now, or Georgia. Yeah, Georgia Dream but, has that program yeah. in that case. So it'd be the Georgia Dream program, and they have income restrictions. Now, if they don't have the first time, if they do have the first time homebuyer, but they make more than what's allowed, then you can still get in just on pretty much any program at ninety five percent. Right. Um, if it's in a particular area, you may be uh, eligible for a USDA loan, which is the hundred percent loan that is offered. But let me go. You mean a lower income, lower economic no. area? No, or no, 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 it's in a strategic or in a targeted area, rural okay. housing. Um, and you can go to USDA's website and learn more about that, or actually go to MIGonline.com. He's probably thinking of, of the uh, rural housing as being low to moderate incomes. Uh, yeah. They have
2: different programs now. The low-income right. housing
3: tax credit programs, things
2: like yeah. that. You can but go that's to
1: thehousinghour.com and actually go into our search box for USDA, and you right. can listen to the director of USDA talk <laughs> to about To be honest, program. that's
3: a little overwhelming. I mean, yeah. really, if people yeah. just call some like y'all... It's exactly. Yes. It's just like my exactly. world. You can't... You, you just... This is too involved. Right. You well, really let me, have to
1: know it. Well, let me just, yeah. so, for, for, for but, your but daughter.
3: But 5 or 10%, yeah, exactly. speaking. Oh,
1: yeah. And, you know, I just ran and some 100% numbers earlier for today. And I know what kind of things are happening right now. So, if you're renting a house, if you want a really nice West Knoxville four-bedroom house, how much do you think that the rent would cost for something like that? I mean, usually it's about ten percent of the value. I'd okay. say you know fifteen hundred, two thousand okay. dollars. So I ran some numbers today, and I'm just, I was just using four and five eighths, you know, just as a as a just a number uh, interest rate. So on a two hundred thousand dollar home, putting down five percent mm-hmm. on a conventional loan, ten thousand dollars. Putting down 10 percent on a two hundred thousand dollar loan, so or five yeah, percent, right. right? So you could absolutely get in for around you know five percent. At the end of the day, it'd be ten thousand, right? Exactly. Yeah, the seller pay the closing cost, so your payment would be around twelve fifty. Is what your payment would be. Right. Now, now tell me, the rental would be fifteen to eighteen hundred. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Now you could. I even ran a scenario at ninety percent, so you'd put ten percent down, um, and the ten percent, the payment was going to drop down to approximately eleven $1, fifty. So we're we're talking about under thirteen hundred dollars. You could buy a home. And your rent would be much less than if you rent. Now you could find a, an apartment, a four-bedroom apartment for probably a thousand. You know, that's if you don't mind living in an apartment. And I'm not saying that complex. That, exactly. I'm not saying purchasing is for everyone. I'm saying if, and it goes back. It goes but the right timing's back. better now too. It, it, if you it bought
3: is. now, you'd be buying lower, and you'd have a much greater chance of appreciation.
1: Yeah, and it goes Absolutely. back to what you're suggesting, the perspective that you have on, you know, what should you do with that money? Should you give it and invest in the landlord's um, investment? or do you need to invest in your own property and and how often when he raise your rents and that's right it's well, not a fixed yeah it's once position. a year or three years or something like that so you can give you can definitely give your um, daughter our phone number we'd we'll be happy to talk to her and get more specific but i want to thank you for coming in this has been an absolute joy and we Enjoy appreciate it. you coming in as well. hey i gotta say mortgage investors
3: group i've never heard all these ads before you guys are doing great i'm here on basketball basketball right. games and everything
1: hey, whoever's doing that's doing a great you gotta job stand up and do your your <laughs> twist okay we gotta have Here's, he's twisting here he's oh, going oh he's going Oh, I don't know. Go ahead. I can't do that. Thank you guys so much he for might coming have a in. camera. Spending your time with us this weekend. <laughs> guys, we want you to know you can go to thehousinghour.com and get all of the information that you need. See you next week right here on The Housing Hour.
0: That's The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and the why not. You need to know, so come here to find out. This program is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.